The first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Over humanity! The fires of frustration and discord are burning. And Let us not forget for a moment the toils and efforts that lie ahead. They say that those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. This is the History Lessons Podcast with certified financial planning practitioner Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor and your guide to financial wisdom in the past, present, and future. You ready? Good. Let's get historical. Historical? Yes, indeedy. This is the History Lessons Podcast for the week of November the 6th, 2023. I am Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor. And if you're a modern investor seeking some historical perspective these days, well, you're in the right place. This week, we'll be talking about cheerleaders, the coming of comets, and my first and worst. But first, the news. Two weeks back, the financial world was looking a lot like a typical high school dance with two sides staying far apart from each other. The 10-year Treasury note yield rose to 5%, and the S&P 500 slid into a correction. But hold on to your pom-poms, cheerleaders, because last week, the 10-year yield decided to take a break back towards 4.6%, and the S&P 500 made a comeback as the Fed cheerleaders changed their chants from, we hope the Fed's got this, to, hey, the Fed's really got this. Meanwhile, the Fed jocks decided to play it cool and keep rates as they are, but they're as indecisive as most teenagers. Their statement was basically the same minor word swaps like calling the economy strong instead of solid and saying employment gains have moderated instead of slowed. Someone must have been brushing up on the thesaurus during English class. And then the crowd went wild as NARM farm payrolls increased by just 150,000 in October which is exactly what the Fed and investors have been screaming for. Slower growth, less wage inflation, and slightly higher unemployment rate. But hold on, folks, because that could also mean we're tiptoeing towards a recession next year. And lo and behold, the ISM non-manufacturing index dipped to 51.8 in October, which means the service sector is still performing, but it's starting to run out of gas. Most major industries reported growth, but it's like expecting a big party getting a meeting of the math club instead. Next up, we'll charge the Wayback Machine and head back in time for this week's history lesson. But first, this word. Interest rates are rising, and your annuity purchased in the last decade might not be keeping up, which means your financial plan may be falling behind. So if you own a deferred annuity, fixed, indexed, or variable worth more than $250,000, now is the time to review it and make sure it is doing all that it can for you and your financial plan. Let us help you keep your retirement on track. Introducing Victory Independent Planning. VIP turns complex financial matters into clear and confident solutions. So you can relax and enjoy retirement whenever it arrives. Get the annuity review kit now. This complimentary kit includes a variety of checklists, resources, and eBooks to review the fees, features, and flexibility, or lack thereof, in your current annuity contract. 
It will even help you assess your overall investment goals and the people who are offering you advice. Get the kit today, because you can't teach an old annuity new tricks. To learn how VIP can help you review your annuity, click on the link in the show notes or go to victoryindependentplanning.com. That's victoryindependentplanning.com. Sign up for peace of mind today. Alexa, charge the Wayback Machine and set it for 1656 AD. Charging Wayback Machine. On November 8th, 1656, astronomer Edmund Halley was born in London. Halley was born in Derbyshire, England, the squeaky clean son of a wealthy soap maker. While at St. Paul's School, he demonstrated a knack for physics, mathematics, and astronomy. A local globe maker noted that if a star were displaced in the globe, he would presently find it out. Edmund Halley died in 1742, but not before he made significant contributions to the understanding of planetary motion and tides. He was a contemporary and friend of Sir Isaac Newton, assisting in the publication of Newton's Principia Mathematica. And besides his astronomical pursuits, Halley was involved in various scientific and naval endeavors, advocating for advancements in navigation and meteorology. Now, that globe maker was almost certainly correct about his propensity to find missing stars, as Halley predicted the return of a particular comet after 75 trips around the sun. In a hard science like astronomy, cyclicality happens with a certain amount of precision. In the dismal science of economics, well, not so much, which is frustrating to those who try to time the ebbs and flows of national economies or earnings reports. In a way, I'm one of them. After all, I thought for sure 2023 would be the year of recession, and it wasn't. The tides may still be turning that way, as this week's data seem to suggest. But then again, guessing its cyclicality doesn't seem to help investors all that much. That's because cycles come and go. Even, even Edmund Halley outlived his comet's cycle. He'd been dead for 16 years when it came back again. Wayback Machine disengaged, returning to the year 2023. Finally this week, it's on to the mailbag. You've got mail. This message is from James, who asks, what's the dumbest investment you've ever made? Moi? Dumb? How dare you, sir? Well, okay. This is a humbling business, and my beginning was as humbling as anyone's. And for this, I'm going to take you back to an appearance on the aptly titled My Worst Investment Ever podcast. Here's what I said then. Familiar story. I, I don't think I'm going to knock anybody's socks off with the novelty of this. But, you know, I, I talked about joining the Navy right out of college. I was a junior officer and got my commission in 1996. And by 1998, I was, uh, I was promoted to lieutenant junior grade. And man, I just felt like a real adult for the first time. I owned a brand new Jeep. I paid my bills on time. And I had some money left over at the end of each month, really for the first time in my life. So I started talking and listening to some of my friends about stocks. And it was the late 90s. So you can imagine what kind of stocks we were talking about, usually tech stuff. I thought they were really smart guys. They are really smart guys to this day. But, you know, Ivy League schools and I figured they were a heck of a lot smarter than I was, so I listened fairly intently. So I started a Roth IRA for myself, which was really the only part of this I got right in retrospect. 
when I bought a high flying tech stock name, I don't even rem I, I've been racking my brain and I can't remember what it was. I must well, that's a good name. I, I'm, I'm racking my brain and I don't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> there, it was probably out there at that time, but I think I might, I must have PTSD or I just wiped that from my brain because I, I cannot remember exactly what it was, but you can imagine it had.com in the name and mm -hmm. probably no earnings, but it was positioned for that new economy, a new economy, that, that sort of thing. So I could only afford to buy one at a time. So that's what I did. I added to it when I could, but basically I created a highly volatile, fairly diversified portfolio of technology slash internet stock. I did no research, right? I bought on rumor and recommendation from a peer group. I thought nothing about risk mitigation or even what my tolerance for loss was. I watched obsessively as the account grew. I checked the balance just about every day. I created a sport. Right in my brain, it was mm -hmm. it was now a, now a sporting a sporting event, and you know I, I have a friend now who does market research, and we were talking this week, in fact, about how much the Nasdaq went up during the last five or six months of the melt up in the late nineties, and it was like sixty or seven percent, sixty or seventy percent. So I did pretty well, right? You know, this couple thousand dollars that that I had and kept adding to was soon something that was not insignificant for a kid from Western Pennsylvania, right? Yep. And I was pretty sure at that point that I was an investment genius and that, you know, I was going to retire early on, uh, on an island somewhere. And when the market started to slide, I, I figured, hey, I'm just going to add to the position, you know, buy some more as I can, as much as I can at a discount. And those discounts kept getting more and more attractive as the share price slid. And then 9-11 happened and I got pretty busy after 9-11. And when I finally came back to this account, I had through the magic of the stock market turned, you know, tens of thousands of dollars into a few hundred. And last time I checked, buying high and selling low is not a good accumulation strategy for anybody's retirement, no matter if they want to live on an island or not. So that was it. I mean, like I said, all too common, I think. I hear the story fairly often. But I did it, man. I lived it. And, you know, I don't kick myself anymore for it. But sure, it would be nice to have some of that money back. Folks, if you aren't learning from your own mistakes, at least try learning from other people. Well, my fellow historians, that is all for this week. Check out my book, History Lessons for the Modern Investor. That's still available on Amazon.com. And be sure to do all the social stuff for us, like this episode. Follow us wherever you see or hear your podcasts. We're available on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Until next week, when we'll take another rollicking romp through the past and make an investment in your future with history lessons for the modern investor. See you next week.